Hi, friends. Hello. Hello. It's Good Josh, evening. Ashley, and Grant here. Yes. Yes. We are starting something very interesting for the next four episodes, everyone. We're going to see how this goes. We are basically going to be walking through the gospel narrative, like the four parts of the gospel creation, um, the fall. What is it? Uh, creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Is that it, Grant? Yes. Yes. So, I would probably say that there's more in, in between fall and redemption um, that we could also oh. talk about. But yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> but we're generally going to stick in these kind of areas um, and kind of walk through the gospel connected to the queer experience. And Grant, why? What? What? what's spurring this on? What? What's you want to share? <laughs> share my my galaxy brain idea from seven months ago um Mm -hmm. okay so i had this thought and i sure hope it was a thought given to me by the holy spirit um but it (laughs) we'll see we'll see if it turns out but um we were we were chatting around a campfire about like all these ideas for the theme of reclamation um reclaiming intimacy reclaiming masculinity and femininity yada 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 and i was thinking wouldn't it be cool if like all the pieces that we were reclaiming we could sort of smush together and we could like gather all these insights from from aspects of the the christian tradition and and the biblical story that we're reclaiming and then put them into a sort of narrative form and see if there's like a particular um this is cosette she's my cat um well she's my housemate's cat and we're friends well we're friends but see if we can gather all those um, pieces together and then form a narrative out of them so it could be a kind of lgbtq side b gospel presentation yeah so yeah that's that's the thought so um that at the time was like oh that's a really exciting thought and then now we've sort of the rubber has hit the road and now we have to, we have to talk about creation and I, i'm not sure i'm not sure what i'm going to say i i don't know actually i don't know what i'm going to say i love this cuz this is theology y'all there's so many times when we've talked about themes and then i'm like let's do a theme on theology and everyone else on the coast seems like really <laughs> yeah. it's not just that it was to be like how would we incorporate it without making it extremely dense yeah to like it's true. just like just wading through thick water and <laughs> that's that doesn't yeah. sound fun yeah it's true i mean like i feel we stay very much on the practical side whereas things like spiritual friendships and revoice and these kinds of things get more involved in the um but talking about it every yeah. so often is good and of course we all enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. But like exactly. Grant said, this is oh, yeah. going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a surprise to me. I, I don't know where to this is us. going. To yeah, all of us. Um, yeah. I feel that's the theme of this season. Every single episode, we've been like, where's this going? I, I don't know. <laughs> I Honestly, taking things a little bit out of our control, that's probably really beneficial to us spiritually. So yeah. far, I, mean, I think it's helped. We've been, in a sense, so far from what I can tell, is we're taking a subject and kind of just processing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have some guiding questions, but we've just kind of been processing things out loud together. And it's like, it's not necessarily that we have much of any answers. We have lots of questions, too. But, like, just kind of putting ourselves in a place where it's like, okay, we're going to think about this, where sometimes we may not or may actually avoid it yeah yeah but i do think that there's a lot to talk about here so let's kind of get a little bit in this so we're talking about creation um Mm -hmm. creation and the idea of which i I think that this comes into 
the conversation around sexuality and gender a lot, because ultimately when we talk about sexuality and gender, there's always these conversations about, did God make people gay? You know, like Mm -hmm. all, like when we're talking about gender and we are not here, I just want to clarify everyone. We're not here to answer all of these questions, but to dialogue, I would say we want to stay more in dialogue on how these conversations impact our lives in the here and now. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I was processing where to take this conversation. I think the biggest thing that initially came to mind was the concept of the image of God. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Because I think that that's where a lot of this sits in. I mean, ultimately in Genesis one, the image of God, that's where we get the connection of gender to image of God, to sexual relationships and these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So I guess to start, let's start with the question of, what is the image of God? What do you guys think about when you think of the image of God and how it connects to sexuality and gender? If at all. Um, it's interesting to me. It's interesting for me to answer this question because this is the sort of end of the semester for me at my, um, my Catholic Theological Institute, and I um, just took a class on Christian anthropology, mm-hmm. but I'm also remembering the class I took, a similar class at the Reformed Seminary I was at before, and so I, I'm sort of um, approaching this kind of maybe like in a in a twofold way um, based on those two experiences, but. One of the thoughts that kept coming back to me um, this semester was the idea that the image of God um, is something that we're given and that we are, but it's also something that we're called to be. Um, I think early church fathers talked about the difference between the image of God and the likeness of God. And the image of God is something that we're, we never lose and it gives us dignity. It makes us rational. It makes us, um, uh, relational, all these things, but our, the likeness is something that has been lost or can be lost mm-hmm. and it's something that we sort of work to regain or that God, um, regains in us through, um, spiritual disciplines, through growth and holiness, those sorts of things. So the idea that the image of God is, is our constitution, but it's also what we're called to do in the world. We're called to image God. Yeah. So, yeah, I think about those things, those, I have those thoughts and where it hits sexuality and gender is I think sometimes there is an accusation that being open about being gay or being a sexual or gender minority uh, sort of flies in the face of that original created intention um, for what I'm supposed to be like. Um, so I think that's where the yeah. the, the struggle is. So I, I sort of have to think like, well, how am I imaging God and how how is my my sexuality, my being gay, a part of that? Or how is it not a part of that? Um, I think it's something everyone should wrestle with. Like how, how am I living and how does that correspond to the image of God and how does it not? But Mm. for LGBTQ folks, there's a lot of pressure (laughs) to get the answer right, or at least give the answer that people want you to give. Yeah, exactly. I had never thought of that distinction of likeness and image kind of thing. Um, Ashley, any thoughts? Um, to me, honestly, like the whole thing of like, what is the image of God has been very kind of like, always been in a sense, kind of vague to me in a sense. Like it's either we have like what we think Jesus would have been like, which is like the closest we could get to something that we could picture and or recognize if we saw it. But then I think about all the times that like we have all these weird description of like angels in the Bible and they compare it to all these things that they have seen. It was like our tigers or bears or eagles, things that they they're like 
I don't know what I'm looking at, but it reminds me of this other thing that I have seen before, but they honestly, they had no reference for what was in front of them. And I'm like, if something so simple as a created being could be that complex, how much more so the God of the entire universe that I don't know what that image is supposed to be besides the characteristics he gives us of himself. And if I feel like throughout scripture, one, the simple fact that he created us out of no necessity of his own, out of a simple desire or want, it's like you're the God of the universe, but you you wanted something? There, was there a lack? Did You didn't need it. You wanted it. Why did you want it? Why did you want us? Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was like everything that you had was perfect. You had the adoration of the angels that didn't make any mistakes. And yet you still made us. And so I kind of see God in that desire for intimacy so much so that he created all of this um and how that relates to us i try to see like we crave intimacy because we're made in in the image of a god who also craves intimacy and that's why we are this way Mm. and then we can get into the fall as to why our desires go wonky yeah and gods were not wonky that's a that's a different episode um but it's kind of for me it's just a very reclaiming sin episode right (laughs) (laughs) it's a very it's a very hard thing for me to to define and put lines around yeah yeah i've always i've always been I think before even getting to the image of God aspect, I've always been intrigued by this idea that we limit the creating of God to Genesis one and two. Like we have this God who creates and it's like, we have two chapters of like creating. And I've always had this idea of like, I I think like, like God just likes create. It's part of like his nature. He's just creating. And it's like the creating out of abundance of like, I have so much it needs to like explode, you know, and go out there. And like the idea that we are the result of that and many other, that's, we're not going to get, oh gosh, we're not going to get into this. This is why I have no problem with the idea of aliens. I'm like, God could do whatever. He probably has a hundred billion like (laughs) universes out there. I don't know. He's like, this sounds like a cool idea. Let's do it because it's a constant, you know, of creation. But, um, yeah, I the image of God is it's fun it's fun to do this and I originally y'all this was supposed to be just Ashley and Grant and I hopped on and I think part of it's because I've just been writing on the image of God for my doctorate mm. so this is like really in my brain. Um, I'm very intrigued by the image of God in the Bible because I I think that there's this idea like you know in ancient Egypt like ancient Near Eastern cultures where the image of God language was really only used for kings. Like the king was your image of God. And the Bible just takes this so radically and goes, every person is made in the image of God. Like it, it creates this level playing field that like, it's no longer just the king. Like every person is made in this. So with that, I've always had this idea that like, if, if in ancient culture, the Im- the king being the image of God was this idea of the king is the authority of God. The king is the one who's telling you and who's the ambassador is the one who's like bringing this, this divine presence into the world. The idea in, in my thinking has been that that's very similar for us rather than being something intrinsic. I've had a hard time with the idea that the image of God is connected to our intelligence or something. Um, Cause I'm like, what if we were to find, I don't know. What if some like animal were to suddenly start speaking and I'm like, what does that mean for like <laughs> the image of God kind of thing? Or, you know, we were to find other intelligent beings, but I, I've never mentioned aliens so much in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
I think that um, I, I've I've thought of it many times of like God wants us to be co-heirs with Him in creation. That God wants us to lead with Him, and therefore this relates to how we connect with other people and connect with creation and connect with Him. And so it's this function that God wants us to fill. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Grant. There is an aspect of every person, no matter of whether you're filling that function or not, is made in the image of God, is invited into that function. How we operate in that function is another, you know, another thing. But it's something that all of us are invited into and created for. Um, yeah. In that way. And I think it relates to our sexuality because I, I just think so much of it is relational like mm-hmm. the very idea that our function as co- like co-heirs with god is the idea of how we relate to other people which is sexuality and how we relate to god which is gender and um and even creation that there's this is so built into mm-hmm. what it means to be human yeah yeah i think too it's important Another theme that came out of my reflection on the image of God this year was the idea that whatever the image of God is, Christ is that image, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think, I think it's in Colossians, um, the, there's like a hymn where Jesus yep. is the, the image of the invisible God. Um, so human beings are, I don't know if it's this simple linguistically, but human beings are made in the image of God. And Jesus is that image. Like, he is the the blueprint to which we correspond. Um, so we're we're made in Jesus's image, um, and we were we're called to to have Jesus's likeness. <laughs> and so, like, the calling is sort of woven into us. We're we're supposed to be like Jesus, and that's what the Christian life is all about. Is is yeah. to in that ability to to image God by looking like Jesus and acting like Jesus and thinking like Jesus, you know? No. Um, and when it comes to sexuality and, and gender, I think it's I think it's really interesting that Jesus never married. Um, and I think that in the ancient world, that says something about both sexuality and gender, mm-hmm. because it was a very important thing for for men to be married. Um, and I'm not. This isn't an anti-marriage take. Love marriage. Big fan. Um, but just to say that, um, yeah, people aren't lacking in the image of God, um, or lacking in in sort of creational intent. Um, by by not getting married, so yeah, um, one one because thing that I think about that the relationship we were created for, the purpose for which we were created with, was to be in relationship with God. The relationship with each other was kind of a secondary issue, in a, in a sense, it was like, oh, the human needs another one, <laughs> you know, and so God provided that. Yeah. But the reason for which we're created, if you want to talk about creative intent and everything, was to be in relationship with him. So having or not having that other person or another person is, I don't want to say irrelevant, but like it it doesn't really have to do with that in a sense. Yeah. Also, having a, a spouse is not the same as having... Like it's, it's not all that having a relationship is, you know, like when, when God says it is not good that Adam is alone, I say, amen. (laughs) It, It is not good. Also, he was the only human being. Exactly on the planet (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily take the, the creation accounts literally. But like the idea is that there are no other human beings. It's not good for him to be in alone. In the vicinity, the yeah, like he's, it's not good for anybody to be alone. I don't, I don't think anyone should be alone. But that yeah. I don't. No think one that should be the only person on the planet. 
Yeah. I also yes. think it's really interesting when you get into the Hebrew of Genesis two, which I don't know if we've mentioned this before, or if I've talked about it before, but like in the Hebrew of Genesis two, there's a fascinating play on words that's happening. And I think it relates to even the way we in understand gender as I think Grant, you and Henry were talking about it from something time and said like, to be masculine, to be male is to be in relationship or connected mm-hmm. or opposite mm-hmm. of female, to be mm-hmm. female, to be feminine is opposite of male. You know, like I know I'm mixing sex and gender there, but in they're in contrast of, in opposite to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that in Genesis 2, at the beginning, Adam is made from the ground, Adama. So mm-hmm. Adam mm-hmm. comes from Adama. It's a play on words that this, and Ish Isha, like female, comes from Ish. So there's this play that's happening of what is happening that really I don't like to translate Adam as man. I would honestly rather translate it as dust creature, creature of the dust, because Mm -hmm. there's this feeling that before woman is made, Adam's kind of non-binary genderless. Yes, yes. Because there's no other creature for Adam to contrast. Mm -hmm. And it's not until Isha, woman, is created that then Adam is referred to as Ish or man. Um, And I think that that shows, I think what that shows is that ultimately all of this, regardless of the details of what you're talking about in this, it's so incorporated into how we are infused together, both God and humans and us as people. You know, I think it kind of goes to when Jesus talks about um, let the, um, my actually my pastor just talked on this um, in church this past Sunday about when Jesus's prayer. when he's like, let them be one as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. There's this. Exactly. There's this idea that Jesus is calling us as people, not about marriage, but like all people to be infused together the same way the Trinity is infused together. And that's just like mind boggling. Like I may not know as much in the Hebrew as you do, but if I'm not mistaken, the way it had been translated for a long time was they always said that. And the way it still reads in many of our Bibles is that Eve was taken from his side. Mm -hmm. But it's actually saying that Eve basically was his side. So it's not that they took a piece out of the side of him, but that he was basically ripped in half. And those two halves were made into their own entire holes. Yeah. So if Adam was made in God's image and... Even the most conservative will say that God contains like the masculine and the feminine in and of himself. Mm-hmm. And the first created being was made in that image. It goes to show that that person would also be some type of, kind of like Josh, that sounds terrible, some kind of creature. Yeah, I'd say bi-gender. <laughs> yeah. Or like whatever those funky like amphibians are that like reproduce on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But in that what he was alone... And was like, well, that's, that doesn't work either. He separated two elements of him and made them into their own entire thing. Yeah. And that kind of goes as to why, in a sense, the, the metaphor of, of marriage and whatnot is, is bringing those things mm-hmm. yeah. together. Like Josh said, to have those two things infused as they were originally to make an entire whole something else entirely yeah i don't like it when people talk about marriage of like how you become one person i'm like no no you become a new third thing in a sense you're still both individual people but you become a a pair you become a couple if you will you become a marriage it is one thing that has Mm -hmm. separate entire parts i love that 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 was so insightful yes mm-hmm. i yeah I that's spot on and i think that there's like i think that then there's something else happening in scripture that you have this image of marriage of like these two aspects of god that have been kind of split among humanity and are being infused back together through this relationship 
I also think there's something fascinating happening with the role of the eunuch in scripture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I think Jesus fills. I haven't done enough work on it, but I also think that there's some something happening in Daniel with the son of man in Daniel being kind of a eunuch. That's a whole mm-hmm. nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's something about the place that God ends up giving eunuchs and the place that Jesus fills in that um, as being a return to almost Adam beforehand of marriage reflects God as masculine and feminine and the beauty of this unification and the role of the single, the celibate, the eunuch, you could even say the non-binary is showing God beyond gender. Yeah. Is showing this beauty of what it means even to reflect God in, you know, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Cause I would say that Jesus fills that eunuch role and kind of Jesus mentions it himself. But um, yeah, he basically says like, look, there are eunuchs who are born that way and there are eunuchs who are made that way. And there's this third kind of eunuch who make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. And you should probably be that. Like he, he like implies that yeah. like it's a really good thing to be, yeah. to be this third kind of eunuch. And so I think that there's this like thing happening in scripture where it's like this beautiful picture of this marriage and like what, how humans do that and how we relate to each other. Like you beautifully said, Ashley. And then I think there's this other thing that's happening where it's like, and also there's this image happening of what God is beyond gender, like beyond like, and how we reflect that as single people, especially. And cause I think, and I think that's where I'm a very big, okay. I 100% agree that in our modern world, gender sexuality, they're very different the same way that biological sex and gender are very different. I don't think they're as separate in scripture or at least in the scripture, Middle Eastern world, like sexuality, gender, biological, they're all just like infused in this idea that they're very hard to separate. Like we would want them to be in our modern context. And I really try not to force them to be separate in scripture, because I think that that is a misrepresentation of how this world, I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting too much. If I get to, <laughs> I like these conversations. See, this me is too, me too. Um, yeah. Oh no, they are definitely interesting and fun to have. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, it was a very similar and same thing back then in the sense of like like a eunuch that was born that way, made that way, chose to be that way, has almost 100% to present, 100% to do with reproduction. Mm-hmm. Those who can't have children, born that way, meaning like, you know, the, the infertile man, yeah. uh, made that way, got some things removed against mm-hmm. his will. Um, and someone who just decides to not reproduce. Yeah. And so that's, that also is like, okay, well, that's not how we usually think about things, but that's what those things were kind of based on and how you managed your reproductive capabilities was how you were seen in society as, um, fulfilling your role as male Mm -hmm. or, or female or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To get a move into a little bit of another thing, this is something that I was just thinking I thought would be really good to, I mean. Oh, no. I'm going to jump in to different, I'm going to jump around with these questions. Um, I, when we, Single Gay Christian by Greg Coles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Talk he, about it. He hypothesizes, what if, something of gay sexuality came from the garden. Like, regardless of, like, okay, let's, we're not necessarily talking about the desire for sex with the same sex. Like, let's leave Mm -hmm. that out. But we've established on this podcast being gay is more than your desire for sex with the same Mm -hmm. sex. There's much Mm -hmm. more deeper than that. So he kind of just gives a hypothesis of, like, if the fall hadn't happened, maybe we wouldn't all be straight as we understand being straight in this world today. Maybe gay Mm -hmm. people would be something else. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Go ahead, Grant. I can see you're like itching. Grant has thoughts. Go ahead. Itching to speak. I love that thought. I love that thought. I mean, it's just, if we've established that, 
being gay is so much more than, and sometimes even like distinct from sexual attraction or sexual desire, then it stands to re and, and we, we all agree that there's something about this being gay that is good or, and I'm Mm -hmm. using gay, like what I mean is being LGBTQ, like Mm -hmm. diverse queer sexual and gender experience. Yeah. Being queer LGBTQ. And, and we believe that there's something good about it. Then it just makes sense to, to hypothesize that there's something about our experiences that reflect the image of God, like that reflect, um, reflect something intended by God in creation. I think another aspect of, of the image of God that I've reflected on this past semester is the idea that because God is Trinity, it means that we are communal. Mm-hmm. And it also implies that the image of God is more fully expressed by diverse people mm. than by than by individuals. Um, and so I wonder, I wonder if there's something about, um, I don't know, what I think Wesley Hill calls it a gay sensibility. Um, something about that that is good and, and God um, intended and smiles upon and, you know, will will stay with us. It's it's queer treasure all over again. That's what this there is. This is, this is queer treasure looked at from the other from the other end. From the other, yeah. I know, <laughs> it's fun because, like, I know we're specifically talking about creation, but it's these four parts of, like, the gospel narrative of, like, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Like, it's hard to talk about them without mentioning the others because they just so interlink together. Like, so the fact that we you're talking about, you know, the consummation does make sense. That's kind of the idea, right? It's a, it's a, a connecting thread. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, it. I've I've thought about that in a sense before that I feel like if the thing that God is asking of us to give up is one specific aspect, and you take out the rest of them and you look at it, and I think about like, well, what would have we looked like? pre-fall if what came from the fall was this 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 one piece what would the rest of the pieces look like without that piece Hmm. what what would we be before that um and i think that all of us as human beings have a need for a level of intimacy with those that are the same as us And I feel like those of us that are some different, you know, shade of queer are more aware of that need than our straight peers. More aware, like, kind of like Grant said, a a sensibility to that need for intimacy with those that are the same as us. And I I think that's, that's probably what would have been there before, is that awareness we are more aware of that need for intimacy and community and fellowship and relationship with those of us that are the same as our own. Yeah. And don't necessarily are, I wouldn't even say don't need as much the relationship with those that are different from us, but are just less aware of our need for a relationship with those that are different from us. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I see. I've I've struggled with this question mostly because I always struggle with hypotheses in scripture. <laughs> I'm reminded of when, um, like the the Sadducees go to Jesus and they're like, "Imagine a man marries a woman and then she dies, and then he, he marries another woman, and then she dies, and then he marries another woman and she yeah. dies, and then it's like, who is he married to in the resurrection? Like they're giving him this hypothesis, and like what he does is he like just comes back with a question." And I... He comes back with, like, that was stupid. Yeah. Like, he's just like, here's... <laughs> that like, was his answer. Let's, he's, like, he's pulling them into the main point of it. Like, here's where yeah. we're going. And I I definitely think that there's something about whatever would have happened in the garden if we hadn't fallen. Like, there is a purpose for queer people where we are now, at least. 
That's the yeah. thing I can be assured of is that there's a beauty. Um, regardless of like what within queer sexuality and gender, like God, you know, like was creational intent, what has been, I like to think of sin as a fragmentation. That's been a kind of aspect of sin that I've been looking at a little bit more of like sin is the fragmentation of the ways that we engage with the image of God. Like, and it becomes like many times sin is the aspect of, we want to do things on our own. We want to separate from God, but yet if we're created in the image of God, we can't find ourselves beyond being with God. So therefore we lose our very selves in sin because we can't find ourselves any other way. So to find redemption, to be restored in the image of God is to find ourselves in that and i think as queer people that's where we can also find it as as well um i yeah i wonder too like you know me i love a hypothetical i know and i love that but i wonder how much of the question um about how much of like being gay um is created or intended relies upon an idea of being gay as um, a stable thing, like an inner, a deeper reality, a nature within us, Mm -hmm. rather than something that's socially constructed. Like, and I think, I think there's something to both of those perspectives. Like, I do think that my experience as a gay person has so little to do with the the experience of someone who is who might have been attracted to the same sex in the ancient world like in in one sense like our lives are so different um we think about things totally differently we act totally differently when i say something is gay like colloquially they would be like what does that even mean? Like that, that, that does that category doesn't even make sense. But for us, it's kind of intuitive. Like if you, I don't know, if you point out a character in a television show that, that it gives off queer vibes, but hasn't come out, we're like, ah, oh, yeah, but he's, you know, he's, he's queer. Like that just wouldn't make sense. And in one sense, yep. that's a totally mm-hmm. modern thing. But in another sense, I do wonder if there's something something about being gay that's deeper than sexual desire, um, deeper than attraction to a certain kind of sexual activity or certain kinds of bodies, um, attraction to certain kinds of beauty or um, a, a certain kind of perspective on the world. And I, I, I like to think that there is, um, but I admit that that is a bit more inarticulate. Um, it's no. the old nature nurture question like well and that's a perfect flow over because i think that that's another good thing for us to talk about because that's something that always comes up in this of the question of like do you think god made people gay i hate that question so much because i'm like there's so many assumptions being made and i don't like the assumption that something biological is automatically creational intent Mm -hmm. um I also don't like the automatic idea that something nurture is not creational intent. Cause honestly, I think most of the fruit of the spirit, we are not, is not like actually built within us, but is something that we are grown into. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of aspects of the human experience like that are uh, of the beauty of it. But I, I get so tired of when these questions come up and, mm-hmm. but yet I think that it's also, important because then yeah there's something like what you're talking about where we think of some things as nature not just as biological but like foundational mm-hmm. i don't know yeah nature nurture questions are i haven't really thought about them at length in a long time like the specific question of like what made me gay um, because in one sense, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I am, and it doesn't, it seems like it won't change. And I think my life is pretty good. So can we move on? But yeah, I think um, 
maybe in my practical life, I tend to rely upon the idea that like, for whatever reason, biologically, there's some sort of basis for my, my sexuality. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everything about my sexuality is created as you, as you've talked about, um, or intended by God. Uh, it doesn't necessarily preclude the idea that some parts of my sexuality might be good or intended by God. But yeah, that's sort of, yeah. Cause, cause I don't want to say like, like, I don't think my parents made me gay. That seems just really silly. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Let's... Like, like, I remember when, you know, at the time when those are the things that one thought or were trying to be taught to us or whatnot. I remember thinking to an extent, I'm like, my childhood was not great. Like, even with some things that are going on in my family right now, my mom's been reflecting a lot. And it's probably been the most sincere that I've been with her in a long time about how things really were for us. And that's not easy for her. But in that, going through like what people thought caused female um, homosexuality and blah, blah, blah. All these things that I'm like, my mom checks off a lot of these boxes. And in my life, I've been perfectly willing to blame my mom for a lot of things. But this doesn't even make any sense. I'm like, sure, does the way that my relationship with my mother affect the type of women I'm attracted to? Probably. Just like straight women's relationship with their fathers affect the men that they're attracted to. Like. Yes. What? Yeah. Like, it's just. If we're just following the same logic just doesn't. Like a straight girl's trauma with her father doesn't make her straight, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. I think when you get into the nitty gritty of sexuality, I honestly think a lot of it is nurture just about like the type, the way we engage with it and the way that we, um, the people that we're attracted to, the ways that we engage with that. Honestly, the kind of porn that we look at, like that we're geared to, I'm just, I'm being honest. I I think a lot of that is our story. (laughs) Um, like when we see that, that comes from our story, not so much Mm -hmm. our DNA, I think that it is possible. I have met people where it really is stuff within their nurture and story that is related to the gender that they're most attracted to and stuff. So like not precluding that, but yeah, I agree. It's like, I would say in my experience, it's gotten to the place of like, just the very fact that I'm attracted to men. I'm like, I don't know. I I don't see that. But if we want to get into the nitty gritty of my sexuality and like how all of those kinds of things, I'm like, wow, there is so much of my story and my parents related to, like, I would say 80% of my counseling appointments come back to my abandonment issues. Let's just be real. That's like oh, yeah. 80% of it. And then I've I, gotten tired, tired. I'm exhausted. Going, getting through an issue and be like, where is this coming from? What's the cause of this? And it's like, it always is like, your mother and I'm like yeah. could she not be in everything I know yeah and like could we blame my dad for some stuff like I don't know yeah and I have learned that in my own story that um a lot of that abandonment issues that I that I have that then seep over into my sexuality and how I engage with people especially men actually where I believe so far I'm still in a journey comes from is actually the fact that my parents found out I was gay in fourth grade and then there was not a conversation about it for a year. Mm. Um, which is in a form, you know, of a man. I'm not here just putting all of my parents stuff on the water, but here we go. I don't care. But what I want to get with that is it still ties back to my sexuality. Mm -hmm. It still comes back there. And it's like how these things are entangled and wrapped together is so... Even though it was an issue that came up after the fact. Even though, yeah, it came up after the fact. It has still played such a big role in how my sexuality is lived out today. Um, Or how it develops. Like something that's already there. Yeah. The way it grows, the direction in which it grows. You can take a whole ass tree and change the way it's going to grow by the way you situate it and when it's when it's young and tender and being planted Mm -hmm. yeah you know like 
So something that's already there, already exists, can be molded a certain way, can the development of it can be pointed in a certain direction or, or something like that. And with the mix of whatever we believe that sexuality comes from, biological nurture, odd combination of the both of both that is different for every person, I believe, honestly. Everyone's it's a different mix yeah. of both of those things. And one kind of triggers the other in your life somehow that we don't really know. We're not going to find out. And like I said, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. But we can't ignore how those things still affect it. Yeah. I always go back to the story of the blind man in Jesus, in the Gospels where the I feel like the disciples are so focused on like, why is this man blind? Is his, his parents sin? Did he sin? Who like sin to make mm-hmm. this man blind? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, you're getting it wrong. It's like the context of his life are here for the glorification of God. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's to compare sexuality to blindness or something. It's the fact that the circumstances in our world today, beyond the fall creation, I feel like in our world, the fall and creation have become so intertwined in many ways that mm. it can be very hard when you're tr- when we only link God's intent to the things that would have happened if the fall had never tainted anything. Mm, that's such a good point. I think that we're losing the fact that God has never stopped working after mm-hmm. the fall. Mm-hmm. And we That's want right. to just be able to weed these away and just have this perfect amount of things that are part of God's creational intent as if they would have been that way if sin had never touched it. And it's like we live in a world where there, you can't have anything that sin hasn't touched. There's exactly. nothing. I think yeah. I because I th- I'm, I'm that way. I think it the goal is to get to what it was before and after. Christ comes back and we are in eternity. It's not that it's going to go back to what it was before sin. It's going to be a new thing, a new perfect where the sin has somehow everything that sin has touched will be as if it never touched it, but it still won't be like it was before sin entered the picture. It'll even be better. It'll be even better. Exactly. Like it'll be even better than when he first made it, which is, difficult to understand because does that mean that what god originally made was not perfect because i don't think god can make anything imperfect it's like no you can he can make it perfect and then he can make it perfecter like (laughs) yeah like he can improve upon it if he wants that doesn't mean that this was lacking and you could almost say like well if it wasn't the man's sin or his parents sin that made him blind did god make him blind it's like i don't think god made him blind either but God always sees opportunities and uses them to the greatest good that he can. You you hit a really big point that I think is really big for me in my view of creation about this idea of perfection. The word perfect never happens in the creational story. It is only good. That's right. And I think that that also plays in the image of God because literally God creates something, calls it good, creates humans and says, now I want you to work it. You don't have to work something if it's perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. good. But God wants to build something with us. I believe the point, like, I think that's why when people go like, wow, I really actually don't want God to come back yet because I have so much I want to complete in my life right now. Have you ever heard this? Because they're like, they're like, it's just going to be boring. We're just going to be sitting around in a perfect world. I'm like, who said it's going to be perfect? It's going to be good. And then we get to make it better. We get to build. We get to imagine like that is the kingdom. And then like I think in that way you hit perfectly on it. Like Ashley, I think God was like sin thinks it can get in the way of this. But I'm actually going to take the things that were meant for evil and make them good. And so I think that that's what's so sad when critics come at us for saying there's something good in our sexuality is they can't see the sovereignty of God working in things that have been fallen, being able to see that God is working in the midst of something, even that you would like to call bad, God is being able to work good in. It's, it's like, even if 
I do see my sexuality for me personally mm-hmm. as a lack, mm-hmm. as part of the fall. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't think that God's working me through it. Just exactly. like he said, that man's mm-hmm. blindness had a purpose, mm-hmm. even though God didn't do it to him. Yeah. God gave that thing that the devil thought was like, I'm going to ruin this man's life. I'm going to ruin his entire family's life because of, of something that's completely out of their control. I'm going to ruin this entire family out of something that no one has any control over. And God gave it a purpose. Mm. He used it. And I think that in a sense, it almost is a good picture because it's like, this is this thing that like, then he's like, this is the one thing really I can just ruin these people with humanity is going to tear each other apart over this one thing. And God's like, I can use anything. Yeah. Like, watch me. Yeah, <laughs> I I can do what I want. I made them. Yeah, yeah. I had a really weird experience. I don't know if I've really talked about this much. Um, when I was in sex work and I had gotten with a client, and I don't normally um, like, I don't know. I really tried to separate <laughs> my like com- <laughs> my relationships with clients and sex work. But towards the end of my time in sex work, I had a conversation with one of my clients afterwards that, and it was fascinating. We actually got on faith. And so here's this married man, married to a woman, um, person that I've just like, like slept with for work. And we have a conversation about faith. And actually that was one of the first conversations that got me re-interested in exploring faith. And my question for people, again, where we're like, for God to work, it has to be all of the specific specific circumstances and that there, it can't be tainted by sin. Like, listen, that was a messy situation. And yet God used it. Mm-hmm. God worked in that moment to yeah. build curiosity in my heart to go after Jesus. Mm-hmm. And many times it's been those kinds of moments. Does that then mean that there's like, no fall, no need for like redemption in those kind of like in my engagement with sex work. Obviously not. Here's a man who's cheating on his wife. There's a lot of issues in this. Like, I don't care who you are, but yet God was able to be present in the midst of that situation. Um, and I think that that shows God's intent is for redemption and God's intent is for building. Um, and so, yeah, just like you said, Ashley, like even in our sexualities, when we can acknowledge, hey, there's things here in my sexuality that are not like not as they probably should be. And yet I can also see God working. It's this eternal game between good and evil, God and Satan. The devil saying, you can't use this one. And God says, hold my communion wine and watch me. I can do what I want. You, you know, the enemy's always going to try and come and stick his fingers in it and mess it up and, and ruin it. And I was like, I can make anything into a work of art. Mm. Jesus loves to recycle. Amen. That's right. I know that's right. <laughs> although, although that is not an eternal game, the end is coming. God is going to win. Sure. True. Yes. Y'all, I've you loved know what I mean. I've loved this conversation. This is going better than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, this is way better than I thought it would. I was so nervous. <laughs> Me and Grant are like, what are we gonna talk about? This is not gonna go well. <laughs> and there's so much more we could talk about too. Is. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. such a like over the course of the conversation, I've been like, oh man, we could talk about this, but That'd take another 15 minutes. And we could talk about um, this. And ah, that'd take another 15 minutes. But. Yeah. I feel like this is a good stopping point. I, I, I don't think know. so. I feel yeah. to be encouraged by the fact of, and I, I just hope this is like one takeaway I hope for. If you guys have others you want to share, please do. Like, I just hope you all can know that, like, no matter your circumstance of life, no matter where you're at, it does not negate the intent of God to work in your life where you're at, like mm-hmm. in this, um, where you're at and how you engage in your sexuality, where you're at and how you engage with your gender, just where you are in life, um, that your circumstances don't have to be perfect for God to be working 
mm-hmm. um, or to Amen. be made in his image. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the it's it's controversial book as it may be the shack. Um, I enjoyed it. There's a mm-hmm. oh I love it. I haven't read I it, know it, but maybe I should. Mm-hmm. There was a it's it just it if you can relate to it in the imaginative sense that it's supposed to be. This is an imaginary scenario. It's great. Mm-hmm. If you try to go and say that this man is trying to define doctrine, you're going to have a problem. Obviously, either way. There's this part that always stuck with me where God was talking to the guy and he was saying that like, we think every time we fail or we mess up or we walk in our fallenness that God is disappointed in us. When in all actuality, because God sees the end game, it's like, well, he's going to disappoint me 657.5 times and we're one less. So now it's only like, so many more before it doesn't happen anymore. Mm. So many more times. So many. It's like he's. We start. It's like oh man, I feel God once and twice and three and ten and twenty. Where God's starting on the other end. Twenty, mm. nineteen, eighteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. We're almost out, man. Yeah. Before we're together for the rest of eternity, and we don't have to play this game anymore, where we're not fighting with each other anymore. That that's not the way that this is going to go. It fascinated me when I studied the Old Testament. We got to the point of the flood. It just impacted me so much. I'm like, God created us. He went through all this work and he knew exactly how this was going to go. From the very beginning, he knew how this was going to go. How much we were going to, in a sense, disappoint him. How much we were going to hurt him. Spit in his face. And he did it anyway, because mm-hmm. he still thought, for whatever reason, that is beyond our comprehension that we're worth it, no matter how bad or how many times we are going to fail. Because there's no question about if, but when and how we fail has never mattered to God, in a sense, because he's still gone through everything he can jump through every hoop we've put in front of him to be with us from the beginning of time he knew how many obstacles he would have to overcome from the start Mm. and that brings comfort to me yeah yeah I think I think what I would want listeners to walk away with is the idea that God is love. Mm. God from all eternity has been in relationship with himself. That's why the Trinity is so important because God Mm -hmm. has been love for eternity. And so he created each of us for love. And so um, God wants us to find love wants us to give love and receive love and that's a part of our calling and it's a part of how we're made yeah so beautiful amen y'all i've really enjoyed this episode i'm actually now excited for the other three i really am (laughs) gosh would you look at the holy spirit she's really working amen let her be here (sighs) Um, one announcement I want to share with everyone else is okay. y'all revoice is coming up very quickly. Is coming very soon. Up. And we're all going to be there. Actually, right. You're going to be there as well. Yep. Yes. Yep. And Grant's going to lead a workshop. I'll be there for one and a half days yep. and then I'm flying to a different conference. Exactly. So Grant <laughs> won't be in our live episode, but we are doing a live episode this year. And it's not our season finale. (laughs) Like the last few times. We're going to be talking about reclaiming pride. That'd be so cool. And um, Oh my gosh, what if I wrote a letter, put it in a sealed envelope, gave it to you at the conference? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like you should. 
I feel like <laughs> well, you now really that should. I've said it, uh, now you have right. to. signed up for on the recording for everyone. You're welcome. Here. You're welcome, everyone. He said it here. Um, <laughs> yeah, being that he is the original voice controversy. I don't exactly. know about. I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, we would love to have you all. Please join us. It won't be at 11 p.m. this time. We love that. Yay! I know. When is it going to be? Actually, I'm curious. Um, I don't know. Actually, I have it here. What, give me one minute, everyone, and then I can tell you. That's honestly really cool that it's not at 11 p.m. Because right? every year it's been like people have been falling asleep in the chairs. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think the delirium <laughs> adds to the fun yeah. of it all. It's, but... it's going to be Thursday at 3 p.m. Ooh. Oh. Yes. No. Wait. Bruh. No, sorry. Take that back. Friday at 1.30. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I was like, wait a minute. Wait I'm a doing minute. a few things. I'm doing a workshop. And then I'm moderating a panel. So I have like three date time. Oh, are you moderating my panel? Uh, No, the experiencing attraction panel. Wait, experiencing or stewarding? uh, Maybe. Oh, are you in this one? Yeah, the panel you're on. Yep. Mm -hmm. Stewarding, experiencing attraction. Okay. I will be your moderator. Ooh. Yep. So, um, everyone, please join us. Please go to, like, Grant's workshop. Go to this panel. Go to, like, go to all the things. All the things. Bring your rotten tomatoes. Exactly. Or not. (laughs) And we hope to see you there. It's literally in less than a month. I can't believe it's already here. And with that, we will leave you for today. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good night.